Good morning, people of God. I know it seemed to be late, but God is an on-time God. I pray that all is well with you this morning. And he said he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. We have a lot of rain this morning. We give God thanks for it. The time is 11.06 a.m. and today is September the 11th. No, yes, it's September 11th, 2020. The time is 11.06 a.m. We give God thanks for this day because this is the day that the Lord has made and we certainly will rejoice and be glad in it. And of course, yes, I've got a prophetic word, prophetic message, and prophetic songs as the Spirit of God would lead me. For yesterday afternoon, I was taking a shower and I heard the Holy Spirit give me the message while I was taking the shower. And we just bless the Lord for what he is going to speak to us today as we attentively open our spiritual ears to hear him. So here's our song. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace. Thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace, Thou art welcome in this place. Thou art welcome in this place. And I'm going to ring the bell. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power, live inside of me. He is in this very room. I pray that he is in your very room. And I'm talking about your spiritual room. In this very room he's speaking. In this very room, he resides. In this very room, he is the power. In this very room, his name is the Holy Spirit. In this very room. 
In this very room, there's quite enough love for one like me. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for one like me. And there's quite enough hope and quite enough power to chase away any gloom for Jesus, Lord Jesus is in this very room in this very room there's quite enough love for all of us and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all of us and there's quite enough hope and quite enough power to share where we go for jesus lord jesus is in this very room in this very room there's quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough hope and quite enough power to reach to all the earth for jesus lord jesus is in this very room in this very room there's quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough hope and quite enough power to reach to all the earth for jesus lord jesus is in this very room so he is in this very room and there's quite enough love for all of us in this very room there's quite enough joy for all of us and there's quite enough hope and quite enough power to share wherever we go for jesus lord jesus is in this very room in this very room the holy spirit is here and he has enough love for all of us he have enough joy for all all of us and in this very room there's quite enough joy for you and for me and there's quite enough hope and quite enough power to chase away any gloom for jesus the father and the holy spirit 
is in this very room. So I've got a friend. I've got a friend. He's faithful like no other. He is kind and true. I love him like no other. Jesus, Father, Spirit, Jesus, he's my friend forever. Spirit, 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 he's my friend forever. So this morning, we are going to speak about my friend, my friend, the Holy Spirit. We're going to speak about the personality of the Holy Spirit. And that is our message today. And our scripture lesson is from John chapter 14, verse 15 to 26, declares, John chapter 14, verse 15 to 26 says, If ye love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. And these things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, 
whatsoever I have said unto you. So the teacher, the Holy Spirit, is here. In this very room, he's here. And so this morning, our message is the personality of the Holy Spirit. And I was taking a shower. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, tell them, I am not a fiction of their imagination. Tell them, I am not a fiction of their imagination. I am a person. I am a man. So here it is. He's not a fiction of our imagination. He's a person. He's a man. Before one can correctly understand the work of the Holy Spirit, he must first of all know the Spirit himself. A frequent source of error and fanaticism about the work of the Holy Spirit is the attempt to study and understand his work without first of all coming to know him as a person. It is of the highest importance from the standpoint of worship that we decide whether the Holy Spirit is a divine person, worthy to receive our adoration, our faith, our love, and our entire surrender to himself, or whether the Spirit is simply an influence emanating from God or a power or an illumination that God imparts to us. If the Holy Spirit is a divine person and we do not know him as such, then we are robbing a divine being of the worship, the faith, the love, and the surrender to himself that are his due or that is due to him. It is also of the highest importance from a practical standpoint that we decide whether the Holy Spirit is merely some mysterious and wonderful power that we, in our weakness and ignorance, are somehow to get hold of and use or whether the Holy Spirit is a real person. Infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely mighty, and infinitely tender. Who is to get hold of and use us. The former conception is utterly heathenish, not essentially different from the thought of the African fetish worshiper who has his God whom he uses. The latter conception is sublime and Christian. If you think of the Holy Spirit, as so many do, as merely a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? I've heard a song, give me that Holy Spirit, give me that Holy Spirit, give me more of that Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. We sing without understanding. Let me say this again. If we think of the Holy Spirit, as so many do, as merely a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person, our thought will instead be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? 
The conception of the Holy Spirit as being a divine influence or power that we are somehow to get hold of and use leads to self-exaltation and self-sufficiency. One who thinks of the Holy Spirit in this way and who at the same time imagines that he has received the Holy Spirit will almost inevitably be full of spiritual pride and strut about as if he belonged to some superior order of Christians. One frequently hears such people say, I am a spirit-filled man, or I am a spirit-filled woman. But if he once grasps the thought that the Holy Spirit is a divine person of infinite majesty, glory, holiness, and power, who in marvelous condescension has come into our hearts, into our hearts, to make his abode there in this very room and take possession of our lives and make use of them. It will put us in the dust. It'll humble us and keep us in the dust. I can think of no thought more humbling or more overwhelming than the thought that a person of divine majesty and glory dwells in my heart and is ready to use even me, even me, even you. It is of the highest importance from the standpoint of experience that we know the Holy Spirit as a person. Thousands and ten thousands of men and women can testify to the blessing that has come into their own lives as they have come to know the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm one of them. I'm sure a few days ago, you heard me talking about how, how I was very upset that my phone wasn't working and anyway, I got the phone working and, and I began to say, but Lord, I know you're going to bless me with another phone. Well, how he was going to do that, I don't know, but he, he heard me. When you become one and yielded with him, oh, he answers you. Oh, yes, he answers you. He answers you. So I'm sitting down yesterday, relaxing, and suddenly I got a phone call from BTC and asking if I'm Shirley Evans, and I say yes, and I'm saying like, we know I've already paid my phone bill, so I don't know what their problem is. So I said, yes, how can I help you? I'm Shirley Evans. So they said, well, you've been a customer who always pays a bill on time. So I said, yes, that is true, because the Bible says, oh, no man, but to love him. And I need my phone. I need my phone to be on. So I pay it on time because I have to be disciplined. And so she said, well, anyway, we're calling because we are giving you a Samsung, I think it's one call, whatever you call it, phone. I said, miss, are you a real person? Is this a joke? She said, no, 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 my name is so-and-so. It is true, and you can come and pick it up tomorrow. I said, but miss, I don't go out. She said, I came here, I sent someone else. She said, no, 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 you have to come yourself. So I knew, okay, God, look at what you did for me, and I began to rejoice over the phone. I ministered to her, and I was like, it's a setup. Because when God sent me out, it's not just to send me out. 
It's an assignment. So we shall see this morning what this assignment is all about. But you see, when someone, something is dead in your life, don't, don't, you say, thank you, Jesus. I'm about to have a new life. So therefore, this is a time when he removes the old, forgetting those things that are behind, and he's giving you something new. So embrace the new, embrace the new, embrace the Holy Spirit. They have come to know the Holy Spirit not merely as a gracious influence emanating, it is true, from God, but as a real person, just as real as Jesus Christ himself. He's an ever-present, loving friend and a mighty helper who is not only always by their sides, but who dwells in their hearts every day and every hour and who is ready to undertake for them in every emergency of life. So I always have a testimony. I always want to share my testimony. I always want to lift him up. And then not only that, about an hour later, I get another phone call. I am telling you what the Holy Spirit will do when we yield to him. Now I know at the end of this month, my telephone, my, my light bill will come. And you know, people are talking about BC. I mean, BC is really overcharging them. And so therefore, if they overcharge me, they still have to give me my money back. So the thing about it, I had just called BC the day before to find out if they're estimating my bill because the bill was so high. Could you imagine my bill being $600, the bill that used to be like 200? So nobody knew that what I did. So an hour later, the phone call rings and the person says, I need to pass by you. I said, okay. And so forth, I stood outside and waited and they passed by me and they said, I just came to give you this envelope. I thanked them and I come inside and I was like, the Holy Spirit said, this is to watch your light bill. I was like, oh God, you are so awesome. Listen. I am telling you, let us trust in the Holy Spirit. But what I'm saying, what I need to say to you, if you do nothing, you will get nothing. If you do not give, then you cannot receive. So whilst you could be paying somebody else, um, light bill, God have someone else paying yours. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. So while on the other hand, not bragging that I'm, I'm paying somebody else telephone bill, then God comes and say, okay, not only am I going to pay your telephone bill, but I'm going to give you a phone. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. I want to encourage you. Thousands of ministers, Christian workers and Christians in the humblest spheres of life have spoken and talked about their experience with the Holy Spirit. There are at least four distinct proofs in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is a person. What are the distinctive characteristics or marks of personality? One of it is knowledge, 
feeling or emotion and will. Any entity that thinks, feels, and wills is a person. Can I say that again? Any entity that thinks, feels, and wills is a person. When we say that the Holy Spirit is a person, there are those who understand us to mean that the Holy Spirit has hands, feet, eyes, ears, a mouth, and so on. But these are not the characteristics of personality, but a bodily substance. All of these characteristics or marks of personality are repeatedly ascribed to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and New Testaments. I remember some years ago, my daughter had already gone to school. But I kept smelling this sweet perfume. I didn't have no perfume in here because I've already stripped down to nothing. I didn't even have cologne in here. But I keep smelling this sweet perfume. And I kept saying, Holy Spirit, I keep smelling this sweet perfume. And it kept it, it, it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger and so strong when I looked, someone was at the gate. And so I opened the house and and they said, Oh, um, Miss Evans, I was trying to find you. Say, because the Holy Spirit told me to come to you this morning and give you this. That time I'm coming near to her, but it's stronger and stronger. Come to find out, it was a bottle of perfume she come to bring to me. Wow. So I was like, oh my gosh. And he said, he told me to give you to put on your lips. Then she didn't even know my lips was chapped. Okay. So I was like, I was like, Holy Spirit, I don't understand this. So the Holy Spirit said, let me let you know something. I know what you like. And I know what I like for you. I'm a person and I am a man. Well, let me tell you, that was like, freaked me out. I said, oh, you're a person and you're a man. He said, yes, I know who you are. I am the Holy Spirit. I'm a person. He know what you need. He know what he wants to give you. And he is love. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 to 11, I'll read it. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. All the characteristics or marks of personality are repeatedly ascribed to the Holy Spirit in the Old and New Testament. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Here knowledge is ascribed to the Holy Spirit. We are clearly taught that the Holy Spirit is not merely an influence that illuminates our minds to comprehend the truth, but a being who himself knows the truth. We also read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, and the word declares, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Here, will 
is ascribed to the Spirit. And we are taught that the Holy Spirit is not a power that we get hold of and use according to our desires, but a person of sovereign majesty who uses us according to His will. This distinction is of fundamental importance in our establishing a right relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is at this very point that many honest seekers after power and effectiveness in service go astray. They are reaching for and struggling to get possession of some mysterious and mighty power that they can make use of in their work according to their own desires. They will never get possession of the power they seek until they come to recognize that there is not some divine power for them to get hold of and use in their blindness and ignorance. But there is a person, infinitely wise as well as infinitely mighty, who is willing to take possession of them and use them according to his own perfect will. When we stop to think of it, we must rejoice that there is no divine power, we beings, so ignorant and so liable to err as we are, can get hold of and use. How appalling the results might be if there were. But what a holy joy must come into our hearts when we grasp the thought that there is a divine person, one who never errs, who is willing to take possession of us and impart to us such gifts as he sees best to use us according to his wise and loving will. The word of God declares in Romans 8 and 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. In this passage, mind is ascribed to the Holy Spirit. The Greek word translated mind is a comprehensive word, including the ideas of thought, feeling, and purpose. It's the same word that is used in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, and I'll find that where we read, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So in this verse, all the distinctive marks of personality are included in the word mind and are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. We find the personality of the Holy Spirit brought out in a most touching, significant way in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Here we have love ascribed to the Holy Spirit. The reader would do well to stop and ponder those five words, the love of the Spirit. We dwell often on the love of God the Father. 
It is subject of our daily thought. We meditate often on the love of Jesus Christ the Son. Who would think of calling himself a Christian who passed a day without meditating on the love of his Savior? But how often have we meditated on the love of the Spirit? Each day of our lives, if we are living as Christians should, we kneel down in the presence of God, the Father. Look into his face and say, I thank you, Father, for your great love that led you to give your only begotten son to die upon the cross of Calvary for me. Each day of our lives, we also look into the face of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and say, O oh, glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, I thank you for your great love that led you not to consider it robbery to be equal with God. But you emptied yourself, forsaking all the glory of heaven. You came down to earth with all its shame in order to take my sins upon yourself and die in my place upon the cross of Calvary. But how often do we kneel and say to the Holy Spirit, O eternal and infinite Spirit of God, I thank you for your great love that led you to come into the world of sin and darkness and to seek me out and to follow me so patiently until you brought me to see my utter ruin and need of a savior and to reveal to me my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as just the savior whom I need. How often? Yet we owe our salvation just as truly to the love of the Spirit as we do to the love of the Father and the love of the Son. If it had not been for the love of God the Father looking down on me in my utter ruin and providing a perfect atonement for me in the death of his own Son on the cross of Calvary, I would have been in hell today. If it had not been for the love of Jesus Christ, the eternal word of God, looking on me in my utter ruin and in obedience to the Father, putting aside all the glory of heaven for all the shame of earth and taking my place, the place of the curse upon the cross of Calvary and pouring out his life utterly for me, I would have been in hell today. But, it, but if it had not been for the love of the Holy Spirit, sent by the Father in answer to the prayer of the Son. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 16. John 14 and 16, which says, John 14 and 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever leading him to seek me out in my utter blindness and ruin. I would have been in hell today. He followed me day after day, week after week, and year after year when I persistently turned a deaf ear to his pleadings. And when he's speaking to us, sometimes he say, oh, you know, something inside of me. Say, no, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. And we persistently turn a deaf ear to his pleadings. He followed me through paths of sin, 
where it must have been agony for that holy one to go until at last i listened he opened my eyes to see my utter ruin and then revealed jesus to me as the savior who would meet my every need then he enabled me to receive jesus as my own savior if it had not been for this patient long-suffering never tiring infinite tender love of the holy spirit i would have been in hell today oh the holy spirit is not merely an influence a power or an illumination but is a person just as real as god the father or jesus christ his son the personality of the holy spirit comes out in the old testament as truly as in the new for we read in the book of nehemiah nehemiah chapter 9 verse 20 it says you also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manner from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst here both intelligence and goodness are ascribed to the holy spirit some would tell us that while it is true the personality of the holy spirit is found in the new testament it is not found in the old some people say it's not found in the old old testament the revelation in the old testament was concealed jesus right there the holy spirit right there in the old testament was concealed but revealed in the new testament however it is certainly found in this passage as a matter of course, the doctrine of the personality of the Holy Spirit is not as fully developed in the Old Testament as in the New, but the doctrine is there. There is perhaps no passage in the entire Bible in which the personality of the Holy Spirit comes out more tenderly and touchingly than in the following. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Here, grief is ascribed to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a blind, impersonal influence or power that comes into our lives to illuminate, sanctify, and empower us. No, he is immeasurably more than that. He is a holy person who comes to dwell in our hearts. One who sees clearly every act we perform, every word we speak, every thought we entertain, even the most fleeting fancy that is allowed to pass through our minds. If there is anything in act or word or deed that is impure, unholy, unkind, selfish, mean, petty, or untrue, this infinitely holy one, is deeply grieved by it. I know of no thought that will help one more than this to lead a holy life and to walk softly in the presence of the Holy One. When I grieve the Holy Spirit, I can't sleep all night until I get it right. How often a young man is kept from yielding to the temptations that surround young mankind by the thought that if he should yield to the temptation that now assails him, his dear mother might hear of it 
and would be grieved beyond expression. How often some young man has had his hand on the door of some place of sin that he was about to enter and the thought has come to him if I should enter here my mother might kill me or my mother might hear of it and would she would kill me then he has turned his back on that door and gone away to lead a pure life so that he might not hurt his mother there is one who is holier than our mother one who is more sensitive against sin than the purest woman who ever walked this earth and who loves us as even no mother ever could love us this one dwells in our hearts if we are really christians and he sees every act we do day by day or under cover of night he hears every word we utter in public or in private he sees every thought we entertain he observes every fancy and imagination that is permitted even a monetary lodging in our minds if there is anything unholy impure selfish mean petty unkind harsh unjust or in any way evil in act or word or thought he is grieved by it if we will allow those words in ephesians 4 30 do not grieve the holy spirit of god to sink if we would allow it to sink into our hearts and become the motto of our lives they will keep us from many sins how often some thought has knocked for an entrance into my mind i was about to find entrance when the thought has come the Holy Spirit sees that thought and will be grieved by it. With that reminder, the improper thought has been banished. Casting down that imagination. If we deny the personality of the Holy Spirit, many passages of scripture become meaningless and absurd. For example, in the book of first corinthians chapter 2 verse 10 but god has revealed them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things yes the deep things of god this passage of scripture sets before us the holy spirit not merely as an illumination whereby we are enabled to grasp the deep things of god but as a person who himself searches the deep things of god and then reveals to us the precious discoveries that he has made in the book of revelation chapter 2 verse 7 the word declares he who has an heir let him hear what the spirit says to the churches to him who overcomes i will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of paradise of god here the holy spirit is presented not merely as an impersonal enlightenment that comes to our minds but as a person who speaks and out of the depths of his own wisdom whispers into our ears of his listening servants the precious truths of god in the book of galatians chapter 4 verse 6 it declares and because you are sons 
God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Here the Holy Spirit is represented as crying out in the heart of the individual believer. The Holy Spirit is not merely divine influence producing in our own hearts the assurance of our sonship, but one who cries out in our hearts, who bears witness together with our spirits that we are children of God. In the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 16, and I'll find that, Romans chapter 8 verse 16 declares, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit is also represented in the scripture as one who prays. He's a person. He prays. Romans 8 and 26 declares, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It is plain from this passage that the Holy Spirit is not merely an influence that moves us to pray, but merely an illumination that teaches us how to pray. But a person who himself prays in and through us is a person. There's a wondrous comfort in the thought that every true believer has two divine persons praying for him. One is Jesus Christ, the son who was once on this earth, who knows all about our temptations, who sympathizes with our weaknesses. Hebrews 4 and 15 declares, Hebrews 4 and 16 declares, I'll find that. Hebrews 4 and 16 declares it says let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need and who is now ascended to the right hand of the father Mark chapter 16 verse 19 declares Mark 16 verse 19 declares It says So then after the Lord had spoken unto them he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God in that place of authority and power, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7 and 25 declares, Hebrews 7 and 25 declares, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the did I say Hebrews 5? Hebrews 7 and 25 says, 
wherefore he is able also to save them to the utmost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. First John chapter two verse one declares, first John chapter two verse one declares, my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. There is another person, just as divine as Christ, who walks by our side each day, who dwells in the innermost depths of our beings, who knows our needs even as we do not know them ourselves, and who from these depths makes intercession to the Father for us. The position of the believer is indeed one of perfect security with these two divine persons praying for him. We read in John chapter 15, verse 26, and I'll read it. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Here the Holy Spirit is set before us as a person who gives his testimony to Jesus Christ, not merely as an illumination that enables the believer to testify of Christ, but as a person who himself testifies. A clear distinction is drawn in this and in the following verse between the testimony of the Holy Spirit and the testimony of the believer to whom he has borne his witness. For we read in verse 27, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So there are two witnesses, the Holy Spirit bearing witness to the believer and the believer bearing witness to the world. The Holy Spirit is also spoken of as a teacher, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That's John chapter 14, verse 26. And in a similar way, we read in John chapter 16, verse 12 to 14, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. In the Old Testament we read, you also gave your good spirit to instruct them. That's in Nehemiah chapter 9 and 20. In all these passages, it's perfectly clear that the Holy Spirit is not a mere illumination that enables us to apprehend the truth. He is a person who comes to teach us day by day the truth of God. That's what he's doing with us. It is the privilege of the humblest believer in Jesus Christ, not merely to have his mind illuminated to comprehend the truth of God, but to have a divine teacher to daily teach him the truth he needs to know.
John chapter 2, verse 20 to 27. And I'll read that. John chapter 2, verse 20 to 27. And it declares that that's First John. First John chapter 2, verse 20 to 27 says, But ye have an advocate from the Holy One, but you ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denied that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denied the Father and the Son. Whosoever denied the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledged the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore, let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abided in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it had taught you, ye shall abide in him. The Holy Spirit is also represented as the leader and guide of the children of God. We read in Romans chapter 8 verse 14, declares, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. He is not merely an influence that enables us to see the way that God would have us go, nor merely a power that gives us strength to go that way, but he is a person who takes us by the hand and gently leads us in the paths in which God would have us walk. He's a person. The Holy Spirit also has authority to command men in their service of Jesus Christ. We read of the Apostle Paul and his companions in Acts chapter 16, verse 67. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Messiah, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Here, the Holy Spirit directs the conduct of Paul and his companions. He is a person whose authority they recognized and to whom they instantly submitted. You have to submit. Further, the Holy Spirit is represented as the one who is the supreme authority in the church, who calls men to work and appoints them to office. The word declares in Acts chapter 13 verse 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me 
Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Later in Acts we read, Acts chapter 20 verse 28. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. There can be no doubt to a candid seeker after truth that the Holy Spirit is a person of divine majesty and sovereignty. From all the passages, it is evident that many acts that a, only a person can perform are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said in John 14, 16 to 17, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Our Lord had announced to the disciples that he was about to leave them. An awful sense of desolation took possession of them. A lot of times when I'm traveling and I would say to my spiritual daughter, ah, God is sending me on assignment. They was like, what? We're going to miss you. We're going to miss you. I said, no, but you have Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. Yes, I might miss you, but you're going to pray for me and I'm going to pray for you. Sorrow filled their hearts. John 16 and verse 6 says, John 16 and verse 6 says, I'll find that. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow had filled your heart. They were sorrowful at the con contemplation of their loneliness and absolute helplessness when Jesus would leave them alone. To comfort them, the Lord told them that they would not be left alone, that in leaving them, he was going to the Father and that he would pray the Father and would give them another comforter to take the place of himself during his absence. Is it possible that Jesus Christ could have used such language if the other comforter who was coming to take his place was only an impersonal influence or power? No. Still more, is it possible that Jesus could have said, as he did in John 16 and 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. If this comforter whom he was to send was simply an impersonal influence or power. No. One divine person was going. Another person just as divine was coming to take his place. For the disciples, it was necessary that the one go to represent them before the Father, because another just as divine and sufficient was coming to take his place. This promise of our Lord and Savior of the coming of the other comforter and of his abiding with us is the greatest and best of all for the present dispensation. This is the promise of the Father. 
Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And I'll find that and I'll read it. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 declares. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. The promise of promises. The promise of promises. And he keeps his promise. We will take it up again. We are about to study the names of the Holy Spirit. We read in Isaiah chapter 63 verse 10. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. He's a person. So he turned himself against them as an enemy. And he fought against them. There are some things that happen in our lives. We wonder why. But if we rebel, we grieve the Holy Spirit who is a person. So he will turn as an enemy. And he will fight against us. Don't let us grieve the Holy Spirit. Here we are told that the Holy Spirit is rebelled against and grieved. Ephesians chapter 4 and 30 says, Ephesians 4 and 30 declares, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. He could be grieved. He is a person. Only a person and only a person of authority can be rebelled against. Only a person can be grieved. You cannot grieve a mere influence or power. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 the word declares, Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Here we are told that the Holy Spirit is treated with contempt. There is but one kind of entity in the universe who can be treated with contempt or insulted. And that is a person. It is absurd to think of treating an influence or a power or any kind of being except a person with contempt. In the book of Acts chapter 5 verse 3 says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Here we have the Holy Spirit represented as one who can be lied to. One cannot lie to anything but a person. He is a person. In the book of Matthew chapter 12 verse 31 to 32, the word declares, Therefore I say to you, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. 
Here we are told that the Holy Spirit is blasphemed against. It is impossible to blaspheme anything but a person. If the Holy Spirit is not a person, it certainly cannot be a mere serious and decisive sin to blaspheme him. That is to blaspheme the Son of Man, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. We have examined four instinctive and decisive lines of proof that the Holy Spirit is a person. Theoretically, most of us believe this, but do we, in our real thoughts of him and in our practical attitudes toward him, treat him as if he were indeed a person? We sing such songs as praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below, praise him above the heavenly host, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But how come we are not aware that he's a person? We also sing glory to the Father, glory to the Son, and glory to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. But yet we do not know him as a person. Think, think, think of, think, think of what I just said. We sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. When we sing, we must sing with the understanding and think of the words that we sang. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit came into this world to be the disciples of our Lord after his departure. I repeat that the Holy Spirit came into this world to be to the disciples of our Lord after his departure and to us. What Jesus Christ had been to them during the days of his personal companionship with them. John chapter 14 verse 16 declares, John 14 verse 16 declares, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And verse 17 says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Is he that to you? Do you know him? Although you often hear the apostolic benediction, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Do you take it, do you take in its, do you take in its significance? I repeat that. We hear the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
but do you take in its significance? Do you know the communion of the Holy Spirit? One day I wasn't here and I, I was having, I, I mean, I was just in worship and intercession and I was in communion with the Holy Spirit. And I'm, talk, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the bread and the wine. I wasn't taking that. I was in communion with the bread. <laughs> I was in communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I was caught up in that worship and communion. And I remember I was singing, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. So there I was in communion with God. And I began to sing, commune with me. Commune with me Between the wings of a cherubim Commune with me Commune with me in that communion with him the phone rang and somebody called at the same time and they began to say they began to talk and they began to just break me out of that communion and they were saying i think you need to step aside and you need to have communion i was like can't i'm in communion now so people think that just when we're taking the Lord's Supper, that's the only communion. No, we're communing, we in, in intercession, we in fellowship, we in communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I was deep in that and I was broken out of that. I was like, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. And so, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hmm. Do you know the communion of the Holy Spirit? Have you gotten into that place with him?
Have you yielded at that place with him? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the partnership of the Holy Spirit, the companionship of the Holy Spirit, the intimate personal friendship of the Holy Spirit. Here lies the whole secret of a real Christian life, a life of liberty, joy, power, and fullness. To be conscious that one has the Holy Spirit as his ever-present friend and to surrender one's life entirely to his control. This is true Christian living. So the doctrine of the personality of the Holy Spirit is as distinctive of the religion that Jesus taught as the doctrines of the deity and the atonement of Jesus Christ himself. But it is not enough to believe the doctrine. One must know the Holy Spirit himself. So I pray that this message, this teaching from the Holy Spirit, today we will remember that he is not a fiction of your imagination. He is a person. He is my friend. He is a person. And he's here to guide and to teach you all things. So now I'm going to say this. There are some teachings that is very long. But I flow as he gives me. I got a message yesterday. It was so sweet. And the person said, oh, that message that Sister Shirley sent. That was so long. I was busy working. That was so long. But oh, it was powerful. So I dare you, as you listen, don't get weary. Listen because God is depositing in us what we need for that day. Give us this day our daily bread. And some people are going to discover some things that should have happened to them did not happen to them because of these teachings God is imparting. I'm not calling nobody's name, but something happened to some someone recently that when something evil should have happened, it didn't because God had already covered them with the word. And so just as you sit to the table and you, if you're really hungry for the food, you will eat every bit of it. You would not leave one rice grain. So God is letting me say to you, these words are from the Holy Spirit. Take it in because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. He will keep you from the flood. I don't know. I want to say this to you. I sat in my chair yesterday and I fell asleep. Oh, I knew I fell asleep because when I woke, I realized that I had been asleep. And I was caught up in a vision where I saw a real estate man speaking to me. And he said, listen, he was standing on a high rock overlooking the sea. He said, listen, tell the people, do not be on the flat ground. 
purchase property on a higher ground. I, I, I was in this vision, dreaming, okay? Now, when this person was saying this to me, all right, I realized that wasn't just a person, that was the Holy Spirit in my dream. Not only physically saying about this low ground and the rain is going to come and your house might float. Nah, it was more than that. He was letting us know it's time to get higher in the Holy Ghost. Come from this level down here. It's time to just not drink the milk. It's time for us to have the solid food on the rock. This rock is Jesus. It's time to be, be, be rooted and grounded and established on the rock. And so, even if the natural flood come, he will carry you in his arms. He will protect you. Because he said, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. He will protect you. So keep your eyes and mind focused on him. Do not draw back. So I love you today as this word came from him. And I pray that his grace and his mercy will overshadow you. And I love you. I love you. May God bless you. May he keep you safe. And let's keep rejoicing every day. For in this very room, he's in this very room. For in this very room, there's quite enough love for one like me. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for one like me. And there's quite enough hope and quite enough power to chase away the gloom. For Jesus, Lord Jesus, is in this very room. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all of us and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all of us and there's quite enough hope and quite enough power to share wherever we go for jesus lord jesus is in this very room and the holy spirit is a person and so we thank god for his word may god continue to keep you safe i love you in jesus name amen